You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today, before I get into <clears throat> before I get into the message for today, I want to give us an update on where just some logistics behind the scenes stuff of where we're at as a church. As I mentioned in the welcome a little bit earlier, um, our so our building, this building that we've been leasing, it, it's sold, and we found out just a few weeks ago that um, we have to be out by December 10th. We got to be moved out, and so uh, as I've said a million times, that was a little bit of a surprise to us, but it was not a surprise to God. And so um, next Sunday will be our final Sunday in this space which is crazy to say because we've been in here for so long. But it'll be our final Sunday in this building. Um, and so here's how that looks moving forward. Right now we've looked at a bunch of different spaces. We've, we've uh, talked to a lot of different uh, property owners and different things like that. Haven't found a space that truly can fit um, our church right now. Because here's one of the biggest things. And I shared this last week, but I want to remind us. One of the biggest areas that we need some space is in our kids' rooms. Um, if we don't, well, there's a lot of great spaces that we could do church in, but there's no room for our kids' spaces. Uh, but the truth of the matter is the life and the future of our church is across the hall right over there. And if we don't create space for the next generation, then we are one generation away of an entire generation not knowing Jesus, not going to church, not serving the Lord. And we can already tell that uh, in our culture, uh, there's a lot of young people headed in that direction. So it is vital that we create a space for the next generation. And so um, uh, we are looking at ways to get creative. But one of the reasons that we started uh, this giving campaign called God's House, Our Home, we're acknowledging that it's God's house, but we're looking for a home for our church. Uh, we did this so that if we came into a space that we could work for our church, we would have a little bit of finances to be able to create room or even uh, purchase auditorium chairs. There's little purchases like that. I say little. There's purchases like that that we, we would have to make. Obviously, moving out of this space, a lot of the stuff that you see, except for sound equipment and stage in, in our kids' rooms and stuff like that, but a lot of the chairs, those types of things stay with the building. And so there are going to be some expenses as we move into a new space. And so depending on what that space looks like, we wanted to make sure that we were doing our part. And so here, here was our goal with this, God's house, our home. Our goal was to raise $135,000 in six months. Now, we came up with the six month and this goal before we found out about this building. And so um, we were already in preparation for planning for the next step uh, for our church whenever we got this information. And so uh, the good thing is God had already been working on our heart to be ready for this next step. And uh, I gave an update last week. I'm going to give another update. Here's the current total that has already come in. It's $23,078.60. Come on, somebody. Um, and so this has been live only for three weeks now. And so in three weeks' time, we've seen this much come in. And so it's super encouraging and exciting to see uh, even people that don't even uh, attend our church but just watch from a distance or just watch our services back online. They are contributing. A lot of people have contributed money. And so uh, thank you so much. If you've given to this, thank you for your generosity. It does not go uh, unnoticed. Um, uh, if, um, if you haven't got one of these yet, 
Maybe, maybe you haven't, uh, you know, had a chance to pray about it. You haven't taken some time. We have these little cards right here that, that show that chart that I just showed. And it kind of shows the breakdown of how we can reach that goal. It shows different ways of how we can give towards this campaign. There are these in the, uh, on the resource table as you leave today um, in, the, audit, or in the, the, the main lobby out there. And so I would encourage you to get one of those. But um, we, we've raised this much so far. But here's what's awesome is though we don't have a physical building that we say, hey, this is our space. How many of you know it's nice to have a little bit of money in your back pocket to know when that space opens up, we can move forward, right? If any, if any of you have ever bought a home, you know what, what I'm talking about, right? It's nice to know, hey, we have our down payment. We have some money set aside there. If we come into a house that we don't love the way it looks, we can at least paint or put in some different flooring or different things. It's very similar to the season we're in, uh, we're in right now. And so uh, a couple of things that I want to remind you of. This is what I've just been asking our church family to do. And so if you call Abide Your, your Church, here's three different things that I've just been asking over these past several weeks for us to do. Number one, uh, individually ask all of us to continue to pray for Abide. Pray for us, our leadership team. Pray for the future of our church, that God's will would be done in our church as it is in heaven. Um, pray for favor. The second thing is to ask God, Lord, how much would you, how much would you have us give towards this campaign? And on that little chart that I had up there earlier, um, there's a bunch of different levels of, of ways that you can give, right? The, the one down here, it says $10 a week would be 250 bucks over six months would help us reach that goal of $135,000. But you may say, Pastor Dan, I can't afford 10 bucks a week. Here's the thing. I understand that. We've, my, my wife, Leslie, and I have been in those seasons where it's like, we don't have 10 bucks a week. Uh, maybe you have a dollar, maybe you have 50 cents. That's why I ask you to pray about it, not just do whatever Pastor Dan tells you to do. No, go home and pray and, and ask God to put a number on your heart that you, that you could give towards this campaign. And in doing so, it's gonna help us get towards uh, that goal. And then the last thing is this, spread the word. I've been amazed at how many people, like I said earlier, how many people that don't go to Abide, um, how many people have been willing to contribute even though they go to a different church or are involved in someplace else and they're willing to say, hey, I can get behind that and, and they'll contribute. So you never know as you're sharing what's going on with our church and how we're looking for a building, looking for a space as we're raising money, you never know who you might talk to and they'd say, hey, I can give towards that. And so help us spread the word. Uh, last thing I'll show you, uh, uh, there's different ways that you can give. If you're looking to give specifically towards the house fund is what we call it, the house fund. You can text that number or if you just go to our website, go to the giving tab, just make sure you select the fund, house fund on there. And again, uh, this will disappear in just a little bit. So if you need all that info, it's on these little flyers that are in the, the main lobby out there. Now, we have one final weekend left in this space. After that, here's what we're looking at doing is going to potentially finish, if we don't find something in the next week or so, potentially finish our services online for the month of December. Um, not ideal, not exactly what we want to do. We like to gather together, but we realize once again, that in order to have space for us to gather and for our kids to gather uh, in, in our kids' ministry rooms, we feel like it's gonna help us buy a little bit of time while we continue to look. And uh, it's gonna take a little bit of effort to get all this stuff packed up and get it out of here. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so that's what we're looking at. Finish uh, next Sunday in person and then potentially the next two Sundays online. If that's how it goes, I will have that update next Sunday uh, for everybody. Uh, we'll also be communicating this uh, kind of with a mass uh, email. And so uh, if you've never filled out, if you want to stay in the loop, but you've never filled out, uh, if you've never given or filled out a Connect card, 
at the little uh, resource tables right behind our, our, these chairs right here, there's a connect card right there. And if you'd like to stay in the loop, if you're not, you know, again, if you haven't given, or if you're not uh, actively serving or something, uh, that's just going to, if you fill out one of those connect cards and put it in the little black drop box right there, that's just going to ensure that you, we get you on our email list so that you can stay in the loop. So that uh, as we, you know, find a building, have a breakthrough, something like that, we will send out emails and, and try to keep in the loop as, as much as possible. Okay, so a lot of logistics. If you have questions, uh, find me afterwards and I, I, can, I can help answer some of those. Here's what I want to talk about today. God put on my heart to talk about how do we have the faith to respond. Uh, last week we talked about how do we have the faith to continue uh, when, when it feels like, Lord, we've been praying and believing and doing our part, but nothing's happening. Where's the breakthrough? How do we have the faith to continue and face tomorrow? So if you missed that message, go back on our YouTube or on our podcast and you can, you can listen or watch to that. Today I want to talk about how do we have the faith to respond. When life feels out of control, how do I have the faith to respond in the right way? Because when we see in scripture, there's many times that people respond in the wrong way and it actually grieves the Holy Spirit and it actually in some ways even almost disappoints Jesus when he sees his followers respond to um, crisis in the wrong way. And so how do we have the faith to respond the right way? And so we're going to look at a story, one of the most popular stories in all of the Bible, but I think many times uh, we're going to look at this story, we're going to pull out some basic biblical, simple, elementary truths from this story. And here's what I want you to realize. Many times when crisis happens in your life, it is the basic, simple, biblical disciplines that go out the window. And God shows us time and time again, if we will do the simple, basic, spiritual disciplines that we can see breakthrough in our life. In fact, let me show you. Let's look at this story together. Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. Sounds like a good nap right there. And they awoke him and they asked, they asked him, they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we're about to die out here? Come on, Jesus, where are you at? Verse 39. And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Even the wind and the sea obey him. One of the key phrases, the key questions that Jesus says to his disciples, his crew that have been with him for quite a while at this point, he says, How is it that you have no faith? It's, it's almost baffling to Jesus. How is it that you have no faith? Three points for you today. The first thing is this. I have to respond when, when crisis happens, when life happens unexpectedly, and I don't know what to do, I have to daily destroy fear. That's point number one. Daily destroy fear. Daily, another way of saying it is rebuke fear. Because fear is a spirit. We'll get to that in just a second. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the, God's word calls fear a spirit of fear for a reason. Because... He gives you authority to get rid of it. I say daily destroy fear because this, the, the phrase fear not or something of that effect, fear not, is in the Bible 365 times. Coincidence? Absolutely not. 
Everything in here is, is done on purpose, for a purpose, for your life. So the phrase fear not is in here 365 times. Why? Because there will be an opportunity every day to fear something. There will be an opportunity every day for something to come at you or to, to approach you. Um, a spiritual attack, a physical attack where you have the opportunity to choose fear or to choose faith. But God says, I've already taken care of that. Fear not. There's a, there's a verse in here 365 times for you to, to, to quote. It's in there 365 times. My question, and as I was reading this and preparing this, the question that came to mind is this. If Jesus saw my reaction to the battle I am currently facing, how would he respond to me? If he saw my reaction to the battle I am currently facing, and maybe for you it, it could be a, a million different things. Maybe it's a relationship crisis, a family crisis, a job crisis. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer that you don't know when the answer's coming. Maybe you're just, you just kind of feel confused, kind of feel lost. If Jesus saw your reaction, how you're reacting to that battle, how would he respond to you? Would it be similar to the way that he responded to his disciples? How is it <laughs> that you have no faith? Or we see other times in God's word where Jesus responds and he says, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He's admiring someone's faith. Would he be um, concerned by your lack of faith or would he be admiring of your great faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? One of the things that we have to remember is that where fear reigns, faith cannot Where I allow fear to reign and rule, faith cannot. I am squashing my faith. You know, uh, our son Gavin, when he was kind of at preschool age, he has a a Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And you know that they take the stories of Jesus and and the stories of the Bible, and they tie it back into Jesus, and they use some really creative verbiage in there. One of the the stories that I love is this, this story. And in there they had Jesus saying this, Did you believe your fears instead of me? And man, can I tell you, Gavin was just a little guy the first time I read this story. And when I read that phrase, did you believe your fears instead of me? I just, man, it it wrecked me right there in the rocking chair in his nursery because I thought, man, how many times have I been faced with something and I believed my fears more than my Savior? So easy to do, right? But again, how basic is that? Where is my trust? Where is my faith? It's so simple to keep my faith on Jesus. In fact, let's look at a few verses here. I'm going to kind of shotgun these really quick. Jo- Joshua 1.9, it says this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's some verses of what we talked about. Fear not. 365 times. John 14.27. This is Jesus. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Meaning I don't give expecting something in return. I don't give something uh, so that I can take it back later. He says, I give not as the world gives, but uh, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Psalm 27, one, it says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, uh, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Lastly, probably the most popular one, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is why I say um, fear is a spirit. Fear is something that must be rebuked. This is why whenever my son Gavin comes into our room and he says that he's afraid, whenever we take a moment and we pray, I don't just say uh, a, a lighthearted prayer and say, well, Lord, just, you know, 
give, uh, give little Gavin some peace and help him sleep really good tonight, give him good dreams. Those are good things to say and good things to pray, absolutely. And those are promises from God that we would have peaceful sleep. However, I always take an opportunity in that prayer to say, fear, get out in the name of Jesus. You have no right in this home. This home is a place of peace because the Prince of Peace rules in this home. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your peace, Jesus, your peace right now over Gavin, over this room, over his dreams. As he sleeps, he has peace in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You see how sometimes we just got to get a little more aggressive with our prayers. Too many times we're we're, um, casual in our prayers when God says he's got to go to war in your prayers. He gave you the armor of God spiritually for a reason. But too many times we don't, and we just say these lighthearted prayers, and it's like, no, we, sometimes i got to get a little bit aggressive and remind myself that God has never given me a spirit of fear. If I am experiencing fear, then it's something that must be addressed, rebuked, and destroyed. I cannot let it linger. I cannot let it linger in my life. Here's what I would say. You cannot daily destroy fear if you're not daily building your faith. You cannot daily destroy fear if you're not daily building your faith, which leads me to point number two. How do I respond in faith? How do I have the faith to respond? I need to build my faith. Point number two, build your faith. Once again, this feels very elementary, very basic. But I had to be, remind myself of these spiritual truths even with a situation with our church, when I first found out that, hey, you have a little over 30 days to find a new church building. My initial, my quick response was my flesh response, wanting to hit the panic button. But how many of you know the quick response is always a flesh response in anger, in panic, in fear? A slow response is a spiritual response. We have to have the discipline to not respond quickly to everything somebody says to us, Uh, shares with us, talks to us about. Many times, Proverbs says time and time again, keep your mouth shut until the appropriate time and slowly respond and speak with a spiritual response. Don't respond quickly in panic. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What a great promise from God. God shows us um, he wants to reward those that diligently seek him. Too many times we uh, take the responsibility off ourselves, I think, sometimes. We say, well, I don't know where God is. God seems far from me. Why isn't God showing up in my life? But I always have to humble myself and ask the question, am I diligently seeking God? Because I've talked to several people, and many times they say, well, I don't know why God isn't doing anything in my life. I don't know why God's not answering this prayer. I haven't felt God or I haven't heard God in, in maybe ever or in a long time. And I always have to respond and say, are you diligently seeking Not casually, not on Sunday seeking, right? Not when times are good or maybe just when times are really bad, you need some uh, some spiritual help. Are you diligently seeking daily your heavenly father? If so, he says he rewards those those that diligently seek him. And here's what's interesting. This verse here shows us uh, impartial the emotions of Jesus when he addresses his disciples' fear. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when Jesus, who is God, who's God with, with, with flesh and, and with bone on, right, here on this earth, when Jesus sees his disciples with no fear, what would his response be? Pleased or disappointed? Well, he's God. He's going to be disappointed. Did you really believe the storm more than me? How is it that you have no 
faith. Because at this point, the disciples had seen him do miraculous things. But how many of you know, when life gets crazy and when attacks come, how easy it is to forget the goodness of God, to forget the faithfulness of God. He may have answered impossible prayers for you or your family or someone you know in the past, but too many times the storm that we're facing right now spiritually feels too much and my memory goes blank and I can't even think of the last time God was faithful. Does it mean he wasn't? No, it just means I've got to be better at remembering. It means I've got to be, get better at writing down when he's been faithful, getting in here and look at times when he's been faithful to other people because if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he was faithful in here, he can be faithful today and he will be faithful today. What is faith? Faith is this inward confidence, right? It's an assurance. It's a, it's a trust it's a reliance on God, but not just God, but it's God and what he says. That's the kind of faith that we have to have. It's not just God. It's, a, it's an inward confidence, an assurance, a trust, a reliance on God and all that he says. Here's what I would challenge us with and what I've challenged myself with. I feel like God just prompted me as I was putting this together. If I truly believe in Jesus and I have faith in his word... Being fearful is an impossibility. Now let me say that again and let me break it down because that doesn't sound true, but let me show you that it is. If I truly believe Jesus and I have faith in his word, being fearful is an impossibility. Here's what I mean. There's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. Okay, let, let me show you what I mean. I, Gavin just started playing basketball. It's the first sport he's ever played, okay? And so I've been, <laughs> I've been YouTubing how to teach a kid to dribble a basketball, right? Because I'm not a basketball player. I don't know if you know that or not. Just by looking at me, I'm, I'm, I don't have the height for it, okay? I tried it once in fourth grade, and it didn't work out. I found out real fast, basketball is not for me. Gavin started playing basketball, so we've been doing practices. And, and, and so I was like, man, we need to get us a goal at the house because we've got to work on some shooting and stuff because... Uh, his form's a little, a little crazy, and so it's probably not good that I'm teaching him. But anyway, uh, so he started playing basketball. He's on this team. And I could go home this afternoon, and I could raise that basketball goal in our driveway up to 10 foot, right, which is where it's supposed to be. I could raise it to 10 foot, and I could say, man, today I feel like I'm going to dunk a basketball. I feel it. Man, I'm just like, I got a spring in my step. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I feel like I'm going to dunk on 10-foot goal today. But is my feeling what's actually going to happen? No, it's not. I can't dunk the basketball, okay? In case you were thinking I had really good hops. I do not. Um, Feel versus being. There's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. Here's another way of looking at it. When I feel afraid, that is fear knocking on the door of my life, of my heart. We did this old uh, object lesson in kids' ministry where uh, we would be teaching and, and uh, we would hear a doorbell ring and uh, we would have somebody come to the door of our classroom and it would be like they were going to deliver something. And they would open the door, we'd go answer the door and, and um, you would hear this really, you know, kind of uh, grab, gravelly voice, I got a special delivery here for you. And they they'd have these like big gloves on that were all torn up and just kind of nasty looking. And they would hand this box in and the box would kind of black and smudges all over it. And the box would say fear on it. Special delivery for you. And he'd come up and he, he would 
put that box into our classroom. And it was a great teaching point of of exactly what happens in the spiritual realm. The enemy wants to come to your life. And he wants to come to the door of your heart. And he's going to knock. He's like, I got a special delivery for you. It's a bunch of fear. But here's what's great. Just like when a delivery person comes to my house, I have a choice to receive the delivery and bring it into my home. Or to look at it and say, "Uh, that's actually not for me. And close the door on their face. I have the same opportunity with our spiritual enemy. When he comes to your door of your heart and he starts knocking, he says, I got a special delivery for you. And he's got his, his, that box of fear or whatever else it might be coming towards you, anxiety or worry. You have a choice. That is when I'm feeling afraid. When I am afraid, when I become afraid, when I'm being afraid is when I invite fear in to, for sweet tea. And we sit together on the couch and I host them and I entertain it and I allow it to come in and I dwell on it. I've become afraid. Feeling like I'm going to dunk a basketball versus being able to. I can feel afraid. Don't be discouraged when you feel afraid. Identify it and close the door on fear. Don't invite it in. Dwell on it. Think on it entertain it, host it, have sweet tea together, talk about it, talk about how bad it really could be, whatever it is, don't bring it into the house. Don't bring it into your life. You have a choice to make right when it shows up. But fear and faith, I've said this a lot of times, I'm pretty sure I stole this from somebody else and they've stole it from somebody else, but fear and faith ask the same question. Will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Fear and faith ask the same question. Will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the sub- substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Many times my faith in something is in something that I don't see yet in the natural. I may not see it in the natural, but even if I don't see it in the natural, I have to develop God's vision. We talked about that a few weeks ago. That I can close my eyes and I can picture God answering that prayer. I can close my eyes and I can fix my focus on God's word. And I can say, Lord... It looks bad in person, but Lord, I'm going to choose to close my eyes and focus on you and ask for your vision, ask for your faith. Lord, would you just boost my faith as I remind myself of your word? And when I close my eyes, I can imagine myself receiving the promise from God. But fear and faith will ask the same question. Will you choose to believe it even though it hasn't happened yet? Even though it hasn't happened yet. So how do we get faith? Romans 10, 17, for for then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I'm consumed with anxiety, with fear, and worry, I am listening to the wrong thing. This, the anxiety, fear, and worry should be warning signs to us. It should be little alarms that are going off. When I experience it on a regular basis, again, you're gonna, you're, there's going to be moments where you feel it. But what am I doing with anxiety, fear, and worry whenever it shows up? If I am entertaining it, receiving it, holding on to it, I'm listening to the wrong thing. Some of the most fearful, anxious Christians that I know watch more Fox News than they do spend time in God's Word. Watch more local news, watch more whatever, more time on their phone than they do in God's Word. Are all those things awful? And if you watch Fox News, you're going to hell? No, absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying, what am I hearing? Because if I need faith in my life, I need to hear the word of God. One of the best ways you can hear the word of God is by hearing yourself say it out of your mouth. When you quote scripture, you hear yourself say it, it will boost your faith in a time of anxiety and worry 
and when depression is, is creeping in and the pressure of it all is creeping in on you, you've got to speak something, speak life. And that's what I'll finish with today. Point number three is this, use your authority. We've got to learn to use the authority we've been given. And I'm going to stress that, the authority that you've been given. The authority that we have on this earth is not because we're so great and we achieved something so good and I strived so hard and God rewarded me, rewarded me with a lot of authority. It's not about us. It's a gift from God through the power of his Holy Spirit that he says, I will go and I will give you a helper in my place who will back you with power, back you with authority so that you can do the things that I would do if I was still there. What I love is that in this story, Jesus shows us that you can have authority over any storm that you can sleep through. Let me say that again. Jesus shows us that you can have authority and that you have authority over any storm that you can sleep through. Why? Because your perspective is right. You think Jesus didn't know? Let's be honest. I mean, I'm sure he was worn out. But when the boat's rocking and the boat is taking on water, we think he didn't know? I, I can't show you this in God's word. I'm just, let's just think about it for a second, though. But did he choose to let the potential of what if we die in this wake him up and keep him up. I guarantee you he got some water splashed on his face or his feet were getting wet because the water was taken, the boat was taken on water. I guarantee you he felt it, he saw it, and he rolled over and went back to sleep. Why? Can't touch me. He knew it couldn't touch him. You can have authority over any storm that you can sleep through. We all know Jesus had authority on this earth, but many times we forget we have the opportunity to use the same authority. Let me show you in scripture. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 19. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Interesting verbiage, but we have to understand context. What is he saying? I have all authority in heaven and on earth. It's been given to me. The the battle is won. I've come back. I've got the keys. Like I'm, I'm I'm victorious. Because of that, you can go and make disciples on my behalf. Because who was making disciples before? Jesus. He was. He says, I have the authority. Therefore, you get to go in my authority. As I go to the, uh, go to the Father and I sit at the right hand, you can now go on this earth in my place and do what I would do if I was still here. Luke ten nineteen says this. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. What are serpents and scorpions? They're a visual of demonic spirits, of spiritual attacks. Uh, I could show you elsewhere in Scripture, but we won't get into today. But that's what it is. I mean, you can trample on physical serpents and scorpions too if you want. Okay, but, but he says, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions or spiritual enemies that come against you. And over all, everybody say all. Say like you mean it, all. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. What a great promise from our Savior. All the power. I have a brother who's in law enforcement. And uh, this, this verse makes me think, and Jesus talks a little bit about this in a different, in a different parable or a different story. Um, it doesn't, Jesus shows us that our enemy has power over all the power of the enemy, right? He has power. But authority trumps power. Right? My brother's in law enforcement, and there's been times where 
um, he's had to wrestle some big old bear of a guy on the side of a road somewhere. And that guy may have had more power than my brother. My brother, he's a pretty stout guy. He may have had more power, but at the end of the day, authority keeps power in check. Because at the end of the day, whoever that was fighting with law enforcement, I hate to tell them, but they're, gonna, they're going to jail. All their freedoms are going to be stripped from them. They're going to be in jail for a long time. If they keep doing it, what's going to happen? Authority will keep them in check. Does it mean that he's not a strong person? He doesn't have power, that big guy, the, the, the criminal, whoever it is? No, he has power. But that badge has authority. When you are a part of the kingdom of God, you carry a badge of authority with you. And it's not yours. It's not because I earned this badge. It's because I came to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I'm trusting you. And Lord, I just ask you to make me a part of your family. And when he does that, he gives you that badge, which is his Holy Spirit. And he says, this will never leave you. My spirit will be for you. He's going to be right there next to you. And when you face something, someone that has a lot of power, guess what? I give you spiritual authority to deal with it. Let me show you in Matthew 16, verse 19, it says this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever God binds, no, whatever you bind, whatever you loose. See, sometimes we got to get aggressive with our prayers. i got to say, I've had enough. Fear, I've had enough. Anxiety, I've had enough. Sickness, I'm drawing the line. So how do we use our authority? We gotta speak it. I gotta speak. I gotta give some commands to my spiritual enemy. That's <laughs> what Jesus did. How did he use his authority? He got up and he used his words. And one of the things we have to realize is this. We have to realize in this, he says, you will have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's why he can say that. Because whenever you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you, wherever God's spirit is, there is life and life abundantly. There is power. God has power just as, just as much, even more so than the enemy has power. He has power and authority for you. But most importantly, to sum all of that up, where the spirit of God is, there the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is. So here's a great visual. Whenever we see astronauts go into space, and they're out there, and they're working, or they're, they're, they're on the moon, whatever, and they have their space suit on, right? How can they survive in space? Because the atmosphere inside the space suit is the atmosphere of Earth. Okay? They carry oxygen. They have the, the mini atmosphere of Earth inside that space suit. And it's the same way for you and for me when you walk on this Earth. It's not a physical space suit, but it's a spiritual space suit for you. Meaning this, the atmosphere of heaven goes with you wherever you go. You carry the atmosphere of God's kingdom, his will, everywhere that you go. And that's why Jesus commanded his disciples. He says, when you go, tell people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How can I say that? Because I'm here. I'm at hand. <laughs> I've shown up. And I'm carrying the atmosphere of God's kingdom and, his he and in heaven with me. And in doing so, I will do his work 
in my life. I will do his work in my life. But I've got to actively do it, speaking God's word. Ephesians 6, 17 says this, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I've got to go to work in the spiritual realm. I can't afford to sit on the sideline and watch whatever storm take place and hope that God does something about it. Because what's interesting about Jesus' response to his disciples is that he looks to them and he almost phrases it in a way, how is it that you had no faith? Almost as if to say, why didn't you do something about it? He doesn't say that, but you could almost assume if he was looking at their faith and the lack thereof, that they had potential to do something. And Jesus, the ultimate example, says, I will show you what to do. I heard this phrase a long time ago, and I love it. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. When you align your words with this word, Scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can speak to the mountain, move, and it will move. Why? Because my words and my prayer is so great? No, I am just submitting myself to a higher word, and I'm choosing to speak it into existence in my life by faith. So how do we respond whenever life gets crazy? I've got to daily destroy fear. You got to ask yourself, will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Fear and faith will ask the same question. I have to build my faith every day. I need to consume faith-building spiritual food. What am I hearing? If I'm anxious, nervous, fearful, I'm probably listening to too much of the wrong things. And that could be a relationship in your life. That could be someone in your life that's speaking doubt into your ear. It doesn't mean you got to be mean to them or hate them or anything, but maybe you need to distance yourself for a little bit so you can go build your faith and surround yourself with some faith-filled people who will speak truth in your ear so that you can hear and your faith can be boosted. And then lastly is this, use your authority. If you have something going on in your life that doesn't align with God's will for your life, which is his word, bind it or loose it because you carry the atmosphere of heaven with you everywhere that you go. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and healing, and salvation, and restoration, and revival. You have a right to those things. Don't settle for anything less. It's okay to be a little aggressive in the spiritual realm. It's what Jesus did. So my prayer today is this, that maybe you may be going through something that seems extremely difficult, going through something that's outside of your control, as the disciples were minding their own business, they had just heard Jesus teach and stump all the religious leaders, and they were feeling great about themselves. They were on the water. You ever been on a boat fishing before? You know how peaceful it is. They're on the water. Jesus is taking a nap. Life is good. And it's in those moments that the storm will come. And my prayer is that if you're in a storm, that you will respond with faith. Don't accept fear. Respond in faith. Build your faith. Destroy fear. But my prayer is also this. Maybe you're in a place right now in your life where things are really good. Just like the disciples were before the storm. Things are pretty good. Things are pretty peaceful. Jesus is with me. He's taking a nap. I think I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. All's great. There's no better time to prepare for a storm than when things are peaceful. 
There's no time to prepare for a battle than before the battle, not during. So my prayer is that you would take this, take God's word, not mine, but take God's word and apply it to your life so that you can see victory. And my prayer is this for our church, that we would do the same thing. That as we are winding down our time in this space and as this chapter, this season of our church is ending, that we would continue to respond in faith, not in fear, not in panic, but walking in trust to our Heavenly Father, believing that the best days are yet to come. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, today I just pray that your word would go forth, that it would do work on our behalf. I pray that right now our hearts are soft. It is good soil for the seed of your word to take root deep into our lives, that it would, that it would produce much fruit in our lives, not just a little bit. I pray that we would have confidence, we would have boldness. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, who is our helper, Holy Spirit, we ask, we need your help. Would you help us put all of this into practice in our lives? Would you help us live according to your word so we can experience the goodness of you, Lord? the goodness of our God, the living God, the one true God. We love you and we thank you for great things. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.